the level of pleasure these people derive from sexual perversions is impossible to get your heads around the, the people that don't understand this is because they have no idea what radical evil can do to somebody they have no idea what depravity looks like hey friends welcome back this is part two of my interview with our friend nathan reynolds and in this one we discuss targeted assassinations and how Nathan was groomed to be a child assassin. Thank you so much for tuning in. And when people compromise and consume these things, they get possessed by the spirits behind it. They get consumed with lust, an insatiable need to be fed, and they can never get satisfied. They are willing to chase down all of these highs, not knowing where they came from, nor caring, but there are spiritual consequences for these actions. Yeah, so there's nothing new under the sun. All right, so now we're going to turn our attention to Jason programs and assassins. Now, in our last interview, when this subject was brought up, I told you it reminded me of the CIA and MK Ultra. It also reminded me of those Bourne Identity movies and uh, Jason Bourne, right, played by Matt Damon. So I want to play a clip from that first movie in which Jason Bourne is beginning to remember. He's having flashbacks. He didn't know who he really was. He knew he wasn't somebody called Jason Bourne, but he couldn't remember his past. But he had all of these traits of an assassin. He could fight and essentially kill anybody. He didn't know how he gathered those skills. And in the flashbacks, he remembers boarding a yacht under darkness to murder a man on the yacht. And at the moment that he's going to murder this man, the man's child walks into the room. Mm -hmm. So now Jason Bourne has to either kill the man and the child or he has to flee. And in that moment where he's making the decision, he's found out, he's discovered. He has to run for his life. He has to jump off the boat. So I want to play this clip from The Born Identity. And look, I know that Hollywood just gives us morsels of truth and never the full picture. I just want to know if this resonates at all with you as far as these assassination programs go in the Jason programs. Check this out. Who am I? You're a U.S. government property. You're a malfunctioning $30 million weapon. You're a total goddamn catastrophe. And by God, if it kills me, you gotta tell me how this happened. Why are you trying to kill me? What happened in Marseille? Why, why are you trying? You sent me to kill Wambosi. Kill Wambosi? Yeah, we can do that anytime we want. I can send Nikki to do that for Christ's sake. Mr. Wambosi was supposed to be dead three weeks ago. He was supposed to have died in a way where the only possible explanation was that he'd been murdered by a member of his own entourage. I don't send you to kill. I send you to be invisible. Mm. I send you because you don't exist. Now, I want to know what happened in Marseille. I don't remember what happened in Marseille. Bullshit! This is unacceptable, soldier. Okay, so those movies uh, are very popular. There's uh, mm -hmm. at least three or four of them that have been made. Does that resonate at all with you? Let's talk about Jason programs, because I don't know anything about the Phoenix and Pegasus programs, which you mentioned previously in the interview. Yeah. Well, if you want to, you want to, well, first of all, I'll just respond to, to that clip. What you're dealing with there is, is a, is a form of, of a handler, right? This is somebody who has known information about the asset, which is Jason that's being represented there. That man is under what is dissociative identity disorder. He is a split personality, mind-controlled asset that has been weaponized, meaning he has been, they've taken his talents and his skills and his innate desire to do good, to do justice, and they've corrupted him and turned oh, him into a nice. version of a murderer. And Shit. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This clip started playing by itself. 
Sorry, if you could, I'm so sorry. Okay. Just back up a back up a sentence. I'm so yeah. sorry. They've they've weaponized him and formed him and created him to be somebody who is a covert assassin. And the the critical component of that is someone who doesn't exist. He said it perfectly in there, and he's he is trying to trigger Jason to be able to remember because he's wanting to talk to the asset. He's not wanting to talk to the the core personality, which is the presenter that's present during that conversation. That's the one who who has that amnesic barrier that all of the trauma, all of the programming, all of the 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 assets. Are, are handled behind that. That is the presenter part that he is dealing with who do, is not co-conscious with Jason, the assassin. And now he starts calling up, even in that clip, he's starting to call up soldier and he's starting to call on these other personalities to come forward and start to remember and bring that information forward so that he can find out what happened there that went wrong. And this is in, inherently what is the difficulty in dealing with any, any asset is that they can start to have bleed over between personalities. This is something that I experienced on missions on a few different occasions, one in particular in which I was tasked with going after somebody who was part of the Rosie Order who was needing to have their, their tongue cut out and their finger cut off. This is what's done in an oath-keeping brotherhood in order to take away somebody's ability to continue and act in the secret society, that they no longer have that, that power and they because they've allegedly broken the oaths. They've spoken the secrets to cut their tongues out. They literally sit there and swear oaths that if they break these secrets and reveal them to anybody else, they're going to have their tongues cut out, their intestines ripped out, all of this sick stuff. Anyways, that was one of the things that I was sent after them to do. Well, when I went into a bathroom, by the way, this is occurring when I was a child. They don't show this aspect of it at all in the Jason programs. They show it happening when he's a, a soldier or whatever else. There's books, by the way, about this, this series that are written that are a, a completely different version for for a ser in a serious way that reveal a whole lot more information. I have not read the entirety of the series. However, they, they contain a lot more information about this, and that's what those movies were modeled loosely after. But – they what they're dealing and that that book series, by the way, addresses it a lot more specifically as multiple personality disorder and DID, whereas the movie is very ethereal and kind of uh, they don't really directly hit the point of it. But those very key tenets of it is what that disruption pattern, like you talked about, when there's things that interrupt the programming, they interrupt the personalities. And, and that scene where he is standing on the yacht and he's about to shoot Monbozi and the child who's sleeping on his lap wakes up and sees him. That is where the programming got dis dis disrupted. For me, that happened when I went into the bathroom to try to wash this this finger and, and this tongue and put it in a bag. I saw on the counter the symbol of the rosy order and with a box and a, like a jewelry box that had the, this this three letters on it l o k with two dots above the o that's my that was my middle name and it brought out i began to go through what's called an internal tremor and i began to see it looks like a seizure i was seizing on the side of the bathroom and, and bouncing off the wall in there because the aspect of one personality was trying to shove into the middle of it and i i i got panicked and i didn't know where i was it's like you're, it's almost like when you're blackout drunk and you wake up that's what it can happen when you have a switch between personalities that's not that's not supposed to happen. And it was like, I was very disoriented. I was very uh, uh, disorganized. And, and so I stumbled out of the house while well, I ended up taking those, the rings and the fingers and I was supposed to put them in a very specific mailbox. Well, I ended up just shoving them in a random person's mailbox in as I was walking along the street in Lake Havasu. Well, that person called the police department and reported these things found in there. Well, the chief of police at that time in the mid 1990s was a, a member of the same fraternal so, uh, order that my grandfather was. So when he found out about it, he covered it up and contacted 
contacted my grandfather to try to deal with me for screwing up this operation. And that was an, an instance that I experienced where I was trapped in that same cycle of being stuck between the worlds. I had another instance of that took place when I felt like all of the spiritual power that I utilized in this kind of occult power left me when I was trying to go after a, a couple who was in their house in the White Mountains. And it, it felt like I passed through some barrier where these demons and these darknesses couldn't cross over. And I believe that was a hedge of protection that, that was given to this family to protect them. And I, I ran away in terror and re and dread, but that's, that's a component of it, of what you're dealing with specifically in that clip. Now the Jason, the Jason projects and the Jason group are two distinct things that we have to address because one is engineered for children. That'll be the Jason projects, which has been utilized for 10 million, over 10 million children that have been passed through that since 1989, a man named Tim Ballard, or sorry, a man named Robert Ballard, um, who was a, a Navy officer was utilized by the United States military to start to create a program that was modeled for the scientific community to look for and recruit children assets to go be a part of these, these clandestine operative teams that would work in infiltrating scientific community, political societies, and these, these agencies that govern our society, predominantly the corporations and, and, and like the defense contractor industry. Now, the Jason group was a group that was founded, a scientific consulting group that was founded, a secret one that was founded in 1960. January 1st, 1960 was the origination. It came out of a project that was called Project 137. That was a task group that, that was birthed out of the, the era of the Manhattan Project where physicists were being used and scientists, chemists became elevated to the status of godhood in our in our culture after they developed atomic weapons. And once that took place, they they began to start to collaborate on how how we can consult on fixing problems. That is where there you go, Jason Advisory Group. That's that's the one we're specifically talking about right now. They they have been utilized by an agency called DARPA in the in the origins. At the time it was called ARPA, the Advanced Research Projects Agency. This is the very people who gave us the very internet that we're using right now to interface through. They launched the Jason Group in order to try to find a way of solving problems that from an independent source. So they used professors was the main tenets of it. These were guys and all men exclusively in the beginning. Later on, some women uh, were brought in as, as committee members, but they were an inter interdependent agency that did not have buy into the defense industry. They didn't have any connections necessarily to the military specifically. And so they were being brought in with issues like one of them, Project Bassoon, which was being was one of the, the challenges they had was how do we talk to submarines that are that are at great depth that are inside the earth because submarines don't just travel in the oceans they also go inside massive tunnel systems that are inside under underneath countries in order to communicate with them they needed a massive antenna array so they launched a project called project bassoon in order to communicate with them their strategy was to dig and put a wire a communications wire that went all the way through the entire state of wisconsin the majority of minnesota and almost the entirety of canada to do what was what was communicate through extremely low frequency vibrations they wanted to be able to pulse out a signal so they could talk and communicate with submarines hey launch everything and be able to respond to Soviet nuclear war. That was kind of the main tenet. So they were involved in a lot of the nuclear missile programs. They were involved in trying to, to take advanced um, inventory. They wanted to find ways of testing whether our nuclear stockpile was going to have its integrity over time. But they were they got 
brought out. They got kind of publicly burned during the Vietnam War for one of their projects that they were part of trying to create an invisible barrier between the United between Laos and Cambodia. They wanted to find a way to stop the Ho Chi Minh Trail because the bombing campaign was not effective. And so the Jason group um, was brought in as advisors to fix that problem. And they were the ones who came up with a a surveillance array, electronic barrier system, intelligence gathering network that could be dropped in to detect whether whether soldiers were coming by weapons were being transported and communicate that stuff through computers to the air force so they could launch targeted strikes to try to obliterate it well during that time there was a lot of anti-war propaganda that was being utilized on both sides or pro-war propaganda and these jason scholars as they were known became burned their identities got revealed to the public and there became a huge uprising against them and that was the first time they had a lot of animosity that was bred out of that well during and amidst that season when those these things were being brought forth there was a project that was contemporaneous with it that was called the phoenix project the phoenix program and the phoenix program was an assassinations program that was being used in Laos, Cambodia, northern Vietnam, and southern Vietnam, where 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 civilians predominantly were being trained to to go in and use black warfare, all out total warfare strategy that that that's just like what the CIA has utilized in some of their training man- manuals that got publicized. They finally a lot of these documents y'all got declassified recently, and one of the websites that hosts these is called whale.to whale.to and for some reason i am not able to screen share with you right now otherwise i would just share my screen with you but i can't so oh i'll um, give you that let's do it hold on there there you go you should go okay you seeing that yeah psychological operations and guerrilla warfare yeah so this is one of the the manuals that was recently declassified which shows how they were training assassins in central america specifically but this is their index that that goes into that for those of you that that are wanting to look at this stuff for yourself the website where you can kind of track a lot of this down is is through this one right here whale.to and this is whale.to is like a mind this is a brain a whiteboard generally you guys can go to who if you want to learn about all kinds of firsthand information and original source documents for a variety of topics this is just one of those arenas that they're dealing with which is genocide or domicide where state government governments kill their own citizens and governments kill other citizens this this just goes through all kinds of proxy wars from china and africa and india and israel and and all of the different methodologies that they utilize you can go through and have a fantastic time looking into the absolute most depraved aspect of it. This one of their sublinks here is called Mafia State Murders. They go into mind control. They go into the pedophiles that were associated with this. They go into serial killers, how the United States military trains and raises up serial killers, how the United States Justice Department utilizes and trains serial killers to commit genocide on on agencies, mind control, assassinations. Um, here's like this is one of the CIA's assassination manuals, to- their torture manuals that was declassified. This comes from Project Kubrick. Uh, which was published, and I believe this was back in 1960s, was when they actually published it. 127-page report. Classified secret at the times when it was drafted was a comprehensive guide for training interrogators, that's torturers, in the art of obtaining intelligence from resistance sources. Um, anyway, you guys can have an incredible time diving into this, but one of those main... Um, projects like I was talking about here. This is the Phoenix program, and this goes back to the Vietnam War. However, there's a new version of this. This is accredited, by the way, of, of raising up Anywhere between uh, the the publicized reports are four hundred to six hundred thousand civilians that were assassinated, murdered, tortured, raped, and and 
completely blotted out of existence. The individual assets, the agents, the assassins that were a part of this, they've all put that number at 6 million. They said that they were a part of, of a wholesale genocide of 6 million individuals during the course of that war, which changes the entire perspective of that. Now, Pegasus was launched contemporaneous coming out of that. A man named Chip Tatum does a, a brilliant breakdown of this, who was one of the original asset agents that brought this forth. This is a, a book that was that was put out by a guy named David G. Gwatt, who, who deals with um, this. Here's Gene Chip Tatum. And uh, he has a YouTube channel for the, or he has a few different platforms called the, called the Pegasus Files, in which he was interviewed by a man named Ted Gunderson, a former director or uh, one of the chief operators of the Los Angeles FBI. And he did a great job of exposing um, the McMartin child sex abuse that was taking place down there. He's been a, fr he was a frontline whistleblower against the wholesale child trafficking rings that were taking place and ultimately brought on a lot of these guys to give them a platform to be able to share their their stories of what what came out and he waited until his 25 year um secrecy agreement with the CIA was over before he began to publish a lot of these documents but this this project Pegasus and, and project Phoenix had a new iteration that was brought out through agents within the Jason project the Jason or the Jason group the Jason group got infiltrated by the Jesuits because they started hosting their summer get-togethers where they were handling these these projects they started having them at Catholic boarding schools girls schools during the summer and when that happened the Jesuits began to infiltrate that team and they did it through the Stanford Research Lab down in um in outside of well la jolla california is where a lot of these meetings were done but they also had east coast meetings and at different places well when they moved to the stanford research labs that's where a lot of my family members had assets for intelligence gathering and they started infiltrating this group and starting out trying to groom them to create what was called the junior jason project project the junior jason project was trying to take the families and the children of these scholars many of whom were noble laureates these brilliant people and have them interbreed with each other to raise up geniuses and savants so that they could start them out from their beginning to be their assets and this is where my family moved into that program and i was brought in through something that was called the jason project now i'll show you this this is on this is the the child version of it today which is this is their website jason.org and uh, I, I went back in the kind of like a way back machine so you guys could see a little bit older version of it. Hold on one second. This is their history from their own original documents. The, the Jason Project was founded in 1980 time by Dr. Robert D. Ballard, the oceanographer and explorer who discovered the shipwreck of the Titanic. Isn't that interesting? Within months, he received thousands of letters from middle school students asking to join his next expedition. He knew his discovery had tapped a wellspring of curiosity. The result was the Jason Project, named for the mythological Greek explorer. Since then, Jason has connected more than 10 million students and teachers with real scientific exploration and discovery. Let me just show you for a second. This is another uh, book and resource for those of you. Let me just stop sharing for a second here while I show you this one. This is for those of you that want to study the Jason group. This is that scientific advisory group we talked about earlier. For those of you that want to study some of their history from this, um, this is written by a woman named Ann Finkenbeiner. I may be butchering your name. I do apologize. She does a really good job of documenting what would be like the open source code, the public declassified versions of the Jasons. And even here within her own book, she admits that they go by a we, a e, and like a they. I know I'm going to talk about pronouns here for a second, but I'm not talking about it for the reason that you're thinking. They, they, the Jasons are literally a a split personality, and this is a fundamental tenet of this: is that they are a collective. They're not an individual. They don't represent themselves as individuals, but they identify themselves as Jason. And so that is what I believe ultimately at the end of the day, why the Jason Bourne and the Bourne Identity series of books were put out. They These were assets within these Phoenix program and the new Phoenix program that were centered there 
the headquarters for this project was in Phoenix, Arizona, still is in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but this is on page, uh, well, they're just the early introduction of the book. Um, and she starts out and she says, Jason is usually capitalized. Jason, as though it were an acronym. I have no idea why. Maybe because written like a name, it might be taken as a personal name. I shall not capitalize it, partly because these pages are already full of acronyms and partly because writing it like a name implies the reality. That is... Jason's talk as though Jason is a separate person. Their pronouns of choice for Jason are not first person, we, but third person, they or it. They talk as though Jason were sort of a collective organism. Organism, But from the first minute I heard these ground rules, I understood I was going to have to get a sense of the collective without ever seeing it function. Even without the ground rules, the classification of their meetings – Men, I couldn't watch them work together. I would have to reconstruct the collective by talking to individuals to show Jason through Jasons. And so this is what I was brought in and groomed at. I was a part of what was called Jason Project 7716. That was specifically engineered in Arizona in order to create a, a, a strategic team of assassins in order to infiltrate men, gray guys. Okay, this is the kingdom of the gray. This is not the, the, the sexy version of Hollywood assassins driving around and shooting rockets and Fast cars and hot women, not that. Invisibility and anonymity is everything to this kingdom. You you cannot be anything other than a chameleon. Essentially, your core, your core values represent anonymity above all else. And so my family trained me through these Jesuit oath keepers to be part of these assassins because I had a deep need for vengeance. That core need for vengeance made me susceptible to this version of manipulation. And that got brought into my school and the schools that I was a part of, and which is still being brought in today through this very Jason group, this Jason project. This is their corporate sponsorship. Let me just show this because this is imperative for you to understand why we can't seem to win, why we don't have people that are willing to fight back and resist this, because many of these people are under an absolute form of mind control. Like an, I'm not talking some ethereal thing. I'm talking about a literal form of systemic mind control that was put in while they were going to school. And many of these were brought in through the, the gifted and talented projects and programs that schools utilize for those gifted youngsters. This is what they they do. And um, their corporate institutional partnership, this is one I want to show you. And you might just start to recognize some of these individuals, agencies, Chevron, Dell Technologies, US Cellular, um, NIST, National Institute of Science and Technologies. This is where the entire world receives all signals for the atomic clocks, for all of the clocks and communications for GPS are all founded through the National Institute of Science and Technologies. The very same people that put out the 9-11 Commission Report and use this manipulative sciences, NASA, the National the, the National Geographic Society, NOAA, and the Smithsonian. Gee, I wonder what they're used to cover up. The Office of Naval Research. By the way, the founder of this, Robert Baller, at the time was a commander in the United States Navy, an officer who was using those tenets of military mind control to utilize a program to start to raise up assets to infiltrate all of these civilian and defense contractor agencies. So this goes on. This is the main one that you have to, to look out for here is the STEM projects. This is the one that has infiltrated it. And today on their very page, their impact says that they're reaching 5 million students every single year. That's not to say every single one of them is being gone to, to be trained to be utilized in these programs, but this is where they use it as a finders program to identify through predominantly 
personality profiles and and testing standardized testing specific character traits that will make children susceptible to being uh victims in this program and every one of them is a victim so don't don't ever get disillusioned about that but that is one of those those main overlays and, and where I was brought in through that Jason stuff. So even in my book, I talk about this other personality that I identified as of Jason and how I had to try to utilize that personality as what was that wall behind with which so much of this is done. The 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 actual pseudonym that I operated under within these projects was a guy named Jason Killout, K-I-L-L-O-U-G-H. Joshua Killout, K-I-L-L-O-U-G-H. That was that was the actual Jason project that I was operating under, that the the alias that I, that I performed a lot of these actions when I was operating in Fort Lee, Virginia, um, with the United States military. Oh my God. Okay. Well, so you're a real life Jason Bourne, and I say that tongue in cheek. But we know these programs exist, and I just want to do a screen share here and talk about the big picture for the audience. Why are we talking about these things? I want to warn folks about 5G and the infrastructure as this entire apparatus is turned around on We the People. We've talked about this in past interviews and videos. Operation Crimson Mist, the electronic slaughter in Rwanda, when the CIA flew over in an aircraft, triggering the Hutus to attack the Tutsis. Wow. The subline here on the uh, the subline on the article is military experiments, military projects, mind control, synthetic telepathy, targeted individuals. So 5G is a similar weapon system to whatever it was that was used in this case in Rwanda under Operation Crimson Mist. This is all now declassified. So now I want to bridge to this and I want to show you this scene keeping in line with our scenes from Hollywood movies tonight. Now, I don't think these guys have split personalities. These are probably guys that just run hit teams for big pharma, or in this case, a lawyer working for a corporation who's fallen in love with a girl. Now he's lost his mind and he's too loose with his lips. He's going to sink the ship. He's letting out state secrets, corporate secrets. So an assassination has been ordered on this man. This is the 2007 George Clooney film, Michael Clayton. I want to play this for Nathan and then just get his response because it reminds me of that long list of dead homeopathic doctors and whistleblowers and Brandy Vaughn, the Merck whistleblower always comes to mind when I think of that list. God rest your soul, Brandy Vaughn. She was a Merck whistleblower who said she would never, ever kill herself. She would never commit suicide, but she died suddenly under mysterious circumstances. I want you guys to watch this scene, then we'll get Nathan's response. can talk about this as we go. There's no dialogue, but it's deeply yeah. disturbing. I've always said this is one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in a film because I know Ready? this stuff happens. This is real. This happens. Okay, this is like um, so many of those movies, like the Hostel series of movies that shows torture chambers in dungeons in Germany where they take kids that they've kidnapped, teenagers that they've kidnapped, and then rich people come in and have their way with these people and then, uh, and then in the end murder them. So we know this stuff happens. Wipe. 
Do you have any comment on this? Because it reminds me, I always think that big pharma, I think these corporations run hit teams. If he injects in between his toes, this is exactly the real deal. Yeah, man, this is exactly how you do it. One of the main things that's utilized right here is morphine. That's the predominant one or a barbiturate, something that slows and stops the heart. And you do that between the toes because it's an area that's not generally checked during autopsies. And you can use an extremely fine needle. One of the other main uses that, that poisons that I was taught to use and utilize a lot is called purple monkshood. And it's derived from a flower that grows in the valleys predominantly in mountain valleys and we would go on hiking trips with my dad and I to collect this and then bring it back and decanter it make it into a vial and inject that into its victims which is freaking disgusting to watch this stuff I'll be super honest because it's it's reality this isn't some kind of fairy tale stuff this is the disgusting stuff of my nightmares you know I was sent after people I have no idea so many of these people that I would kill including agents of this government that we serve and and uh direct our societies and our lifestyle but some of these people were without question i i know for certain were pedophiles and were murderers and incestuous based rapists and i know many of them were like that but some of them i don't know what they were and i don't know why i was sent after them and that's the stuff that ate me alive was because i would wake up in the middle of the night screaming my screaming my lungs out and it was okay to keep quiet because i used to drink and drug myself to oblivion to try to hide myself from all of this reality there's this bleed through when you have this bifurcated shattered mind there's bleed through that happens in your dreams because one side of your brain has speech one side of your brain can communicate through speech the other hemisphere cannot that is the night walker side that is where all of those memories are stored that uh, that initial knockdown by the way too another one that's utilized is something called a mark 44 which is what was a poison that was developed so you could kill and eliminate pests like coyotes and wolves and stuff like that it's sodium like sodium cyanide that's one of the main ones that's also utilizes which was an aerosolized mister you could go get it at tractor supply stores and you when you're out in rural communities and you needed to pick up poisons you generally went and got things that were made and derived for killing predators right that was one of the ones that was utilized and it had a little tiny delivery system that looked like a cotton ball when you would pull it it would puff this spray into their face and so you would utilize you would go so you can go you can go and get this stuff at the store wholesale, and you can do that very anonymously. You don't need prescription drugs. Otherwise, if you have an asset that's that's inside a veterinary office or a dental clinic, you could get more uh, effective anal- anesthetics, ways to knock people out and, and knock them out. Because when you use things like chloroform and stuff, it's it, there's they're, they're readily detectable. So you have to have other alternatives that, that nobody is scanning for and looking for. But those are the types of assassinations that are done very intentionally to generally make it look like someone had a heart attack or or what would be like a a, a nat- death from natural causes or death from uh, something that is not otherwise specified. So pushing somebody off of a high building is obviously an ideal one, pushing them over a cliff. Car accidents are inherently unreliable. It's not one of the main use. Guns are almost never utilized because they are also... 85% of people who are shot with handguns survive just to remember this for all of you guys that are out there trying to prepare for the end of the world with your handguns. It's not the main tool of choice. Let me tell you, soldiers use rifles for a reason. Rifles are designed to absolutely incapacitate and decimate your enemies. You don't use handguns for that. And so they're inherently unreliable. Bullets do unbelievably strange things. I know a guy personally who was shot 27 times by rifle fire who still lived. And so you don't utilize that. That is why the main overarching tool that's utilized are small knives because they're easily concealable. They're readily disposable. You can find them on all kinds of places for all kinds of things. And then you can use them to separate the, the, 
the CNS, the central nervous system. You need somebody to die instantly. You don't need somebody to die over a course of period of time. And you can do that without leaving as many marks necessarily that are easily concealable through other methodologies. The main tool of choice for me in that derision, that deriving hunger to kill people came because of those 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 debased things that I was suffered through for so long in my life. And it dissociated me from any empathy. It, it, it killed my ability to relate and understand to people. I was literally raised in the wild, like by animals, by, by monsters and murderers. And so it, it disinherited me from, from empathetic understanding and attachment to people. And it made it a lot more easy for me to go after and hunt people down. So when I was tasked, sent out on assignments by the families and the brotherhoods, they had main methods of doing that where, where something that was called the message to the masses, a message to the masses was an overkill that was designed to look horrific graphic and violent. That's when you're making somebody, you're rolling up their pant leg, you're cutting out their tongue, you're cutting off their testicles and shoving them in their mouth. You're making a very obvious sign that this is a brotherhood assassination. You're shoving their ring between their teeth and you're shoving and you're, you're kicking their jaw. So it shatters their teeth and leaves it in there. So that way, when the coroner comes in or any of the other brothers who are in that area, they know that this is an assassination from a brotherhood. They are eliminating somebody out of it and they either want it covered up or they want it publicized. So when you work inside the United States military, like when I was a part of these these groups that are operating out of Fort Bragg, these operatives like from JSOC and these three-star generals that were the head of JSOC at that time, McChristie and these other just sycophantic murderers who use men, good men who have a zealous desire to try to protect the, their country, protect each other. When I was paid to protect citizens of this country and instead being sent out to murder them wholesale they utilize those tactics to then control the narrative they have people that are inside the media to shift a narrative so that what is brought forward may make it look like state actors of another government committed the assassination when in reality it's the united states killing its own people and this is what we do the united states predominant method of control in this world is to use their military power to invoke fear the main fear that keeps people secretive about these projects and especially about the child assassins which is the real weapon of mass destruction in our government in our society the real classified secret of secrets that they don't want to get out is how many children are utilized in these projects because that's their secret sauce and they turn around and propagandize and weaponize and say, oh, these people are committing child crimes and child soldiers. You need to go after him. Coney 2012. He's got these children soldiers. And meanwhile, here in our country, they are our mules. They are the ones who are trafficking the very pornography. Like I, if when I had evidence of myself being sodomized and sexually abused by my family members, I can't legally have it and present it to the public. I will go to jail for possessing child pornography if I bring that out, even if it's even though it's me in the video, I am not legally allowed to bring that stuff forward. This is how corrupt this system is to its core. This is why, like when you talked about in our very first interview, when the families of families, their guys get convicted of having sex with three-year-olds and six-year-olds, they get a slap on the wrist in community service and sent on their way like the era of the DuPont family. This is because this system is designed to conceal these serpent eaters. And in fact, what we need is our soldiers here to wage an absolute absolute onslaught of war to eradicate these secret society members from and make them pay for their crimes 
wholesale so that it's not our scientists, the righteous ones and the, and the doctors who are bringing forth true healing and medicinal cures. Not, not only them, the inventors who bring forth technology. We have so much murder and cover up of the very things that could set us free from this just absolute technocracy and this, this global control mechanisms. If only we could direct them back towards here where we have state-sponsored terrorism here in our country, controlling our children, controlling our men and our women, continually driving them into the depths of despair. We need to weaponize resistance so that people would understand truth is our weapon. The information is the most critical form of our warfare to fight back against them. But you cannot be afraid of jail time and you cannot be afraid of death and torture of yourself or your family because those fears will keep you from ever making an effective resistance against this. All right. So for the audience that is wondering, and I know you've written about this and talked about it a lot, are you worried about admitting that you've been involved in this stuff as a child? Now, we know you were manipulated. We know you were brainwashed. We, we know that you went through torture and had split personalities. But if they used you as a child assassin and there's no statute of limitation on murder, how are you so openly talking about this stuff? I think it speaks to your courage and it speaks to you wanting to free your soul, right? Truth. The truth will set you free. Yeah. Is that why you speak about this stuff? I, it's you have to know the truth and then walk in it, and that truth does set you free. I really believe the reason I the reason I talk about this is because at the end of the day, this is what is required for each and every one of us is radical confessions. Without the confession, you have to confess your sins to one another in order to be healed. I want healing. I want restoration. I want redemption. Like I I understand. I am I am wrecked. I at the end of the day, I could I could go away for a long time. I could disappear overnight. But you know what? At the end of the day, the redemption comes from speaking the truth. And so if that's what the cost is required of any of us in order to do that, I want to be a witness that that's what you need to do. These people have been, we have so many criminals in our society that are worshipped, that are exonerated, that are exalted as if they're the heroes of our society. And they are the very barbarians at the gates who are trying to systemically tear down our culture, our identity, our morality. They're the ones who are infecting society society with this disgusting doctrines of demons that are destroying our churches, that are destroying our schools, that are destroying our families and our friends and our fellowships and are ruining our economy and ruining any form of hope that we could ever have about our tomorrow that have driven us to such a state of learned helplessness that we don't even think we should fight back. Mm -hmm. They are the murderers. People want to talk about looking at one person who committed one act of murder or vengeance at any given time of their life. This is totally different scale when we're dealing with people that Doctors who are practicing in their offices are causing murder, death, known they are injecting them with poisons. Just like you got angry at watching that guy doing that, you should be just as incensed at watching that doctor use mind control goggles on a child I while know. he injects her with poison. Yeah, I am. Um... That's the stinking murderer. That guy's the murderer who is very obvious, very overt, who has an address, who does it for a living, and who gets paid to do it. That is called a paid hitman. That man is engaging and that child dies. How is he not locked up in prison and going to prison? No, there is something, Sean, that they get all kinds of immunity over. Thank you to our presidents of yesteryear who signed the Vaccine Protection Acts that gave all these pharmaceutical companies protection from any reciprocity coming against yep. them. Yep. And the PrEP Act and the CARES Act. It gives immunity to the doctors. 
So, so I had immunity and protection from basically diplomatic immunity that was authorized to me and given to me during the time of a lot of these actions that was given to me to, in order to operate and do these things as if I was a child of an ambassador of another country. It allowed me to operate for these families with impunity. That impunity went away when I publicized my life. That disappeared for me as far as I know. I no longer have, I've been disavowed. I was taken out of the protective measures of the family. I'm not talking about the Reynolds family, you guys. The Reynolds family is one of these people. Okay, That's not the family I am talking about. I am talking about the nobility. These are the people that that genuinely guard their secrets. Like I'm not just saying the Jesuits as if there's some kind of people out there. These black robe priests, y'all, have more power than you can possibly get your head around. They have the ability and have infiltrated themselves. That's a predominant tactic is infiltration. And they masquerade as if they are the, the heroes of your culture, whatever version of it. They infested our seminaries in order to drive doctrines to make people weak, to make pastors impotent, to, to make them eunuchs of their of their enemies. They they are the ref, they are the counter-reformationists. That's what their whole job was. The gray pope, Pepe Orsini, is one who drives so many of these mechanisms that control the world systems that you are under. I absolutely put myself out there. And I, you know what? At the end of the day, if they want to go after me, if they want to to arrest me and bring me to trial. There's something else that's called discovery right. in which there is going to be a legal requirement for them to disclose documentation that they do not want being brought to the public. Those are the insurance policies, in a sense, that keep these people from ever prosecuting and persecuting child assassins. They don't want anybody to know about it. If you were caught doing criminal behaviors and you were part of the Manhattan Project during World War II, you had impunity because they could not bring out any of the information of what was being done there. When you have civilians operating under the United States military's jurisdiction, they fall into a gray zone legally that doesn't allow the state, the federal, or the military to go after them in the same way. And so it gives them a different form of impunity. That is those mechanisms that are being utilized. I seek my covering and my protection from my creator, from Yahuwah Elohim. I seek the judge of all the earth to vindicate me, to give me an opportunity to live, to share my testimony, to try to seek others to come out of their closets of cowardice and come out and confess the secrets. They did these wicked things. You got to come out and talk about them. You got to come out and not a little bit. You say everything. You don't hold your dead man switch where you, uh, you, you know, your insurance policy back of all the names and the dates and the location. You don't hold all that back when you come out with your whistleblowing. You blow the lid absolutely explicitly with an unbelievable, overwhelming waterfall of information. Those are the guys I'm reaching out to. Those are the gals I'm out here to try to rally them so that they can become double agents against these corporate rulers who are destroying our society, that they would be whistleblowers. Because you know what? When you come out as one, it's easy to try to get stomped out. It's easy to character assassinate somebody. But when you come out with hundreds or thousands or millions, and you go ahead and hack your way into all of the coffers of these secrecy tables inside digital closets, and you publicize these people's communications, and you publish all of their unbelieving, disgusting habits, and you release the blackmail evidence that's been held in secrecy on all of these people, and you do that on an overwhelming, absolutely nonstop basis, you, you are going to tear that empire down to the ground. That's why I'm out here, because I want to blow this thing to the ground. I'm not in here to just save my family, this one generation. There is every generation from her and the next one and the 
the next one that they're going to keep doing this to. And I absolutely will not stand idly by and watch them do it to another child. No, I will not do that. And if that costs me everything, so be it. I trust that I will receive what is due to me from my creator for telling people the truth is found in his word. You can trust him. You can bet your life on him. And you know what? This is what's required for us to find healing. Absolutely. And uh, I know that you are standing up for humanity too. And I want to give the audience an example of those who act with impunity while having immunity. We talked about this on the last show, the Hampstead cover-up. Ella Draper, her boyfriend with whom she had two kids, Ricky Dearman, right? That satanic ritual abuse that the kids spoke about, it was all covered up by the cops and the judges that were part of the cult and the mainstream horror media. They drummed Ella Draper out of the country and the children were returned to Ricky Dearman, acting with impunity while having immunity. Just another example of what happens in our world every day. And I want to ask you about child assassins just a bit more before we wrap this up. And I want to show you just two more clips involving cars and potential hijacking of cars and assassinations. I know you said that they don't really like to use automobile crashes for assassinations because they're not always dependable. But I want to show you two examples where I think that was the case. And I think that'll resonate with you. Child assassins, though. How does that work? It's hard for any of us to get our brain around that. A sweet little child being trained to be an assassin and cutting off the finger and cutting out the tongue of a grown person. How in the world does something like that even work? It, you have you have to start training for these projects early. You you don't you don't start training a criminal way later in life. You start right away, and you have to imprint on them a handler. You have to bind them emotionally to someone who is going to direct them on these things later on in life. How does that work? It's just like why do you take your children to gymnastics classes and they get trained by people that have expertise in areas that you don't, and you do that because you want them to learn a skill set that they don't have. And so my family utilized the very same. It, once they figured out I had a core tenant desire for revenge, they knew that that's what I would be groomed for. They took the aptitudes that I had and they funneled it into training programs. This was what, what the two main predominant people that were brought in for me to learn these martial arts from were people that do Filipino arts in Salat. These are these are martial arts that are used by people that are smaller, that, that allows you to use edged weapons, extremely sharp, small and concealable edged weapons to cause massive catastrophic damage against your enemies. Child, children are just as capable. We have a perversion in our society of what a child is. That comes from the artificial extension of adolescence from our schooling system. Wholesale, historically, for thousands of years, children were only considered children until they were about seven years old, maybe nine years old. In very rare circumstances, 10 or 11 years old. Otherwise, they were young men and they were young women. They are fully capable of doing everything that you and I can do at a much earlier age when they are outside of this system this stupefaction factory known as public education, when they're not inside that system, they are incredibly capable of doing physical feats of absolute bravery and violence. Children have been utilized, young men, they're normally called young men and young women. Even back in the days of David, David has his young men assassinating and killing those that came and brought a false report about killing King Saul. Those young men have been used from history, and they should be utilized in a way of contending against our adversaries. Children are weapons. They always will be. They are guaranteed going to be if you raise them up in the truth. If you raise them up in righteousness, you equip them to fight back against the system. Now, what I went through was, was finding ways to use a strangulation cord, finding ways to use pressure points and, and nerve blocks and cause massive catastrophic pain to 
incapacitate people and bring them down so that I could work on them physically and destroy them and cut them up because I had a, a hatred. I had a hatred for them. I watched, I watched these men tear people apart, tear them apart like dogs. We talked about that in the first episode. What was that guy's name who liked to torture kids and Mr. skin them alive and wear their skin? Yeah. You know. These are, but he was a guy. He's moderately memorable because you the, the level of pleasure these people derive from sexual perversions is impossible to get your heads around. The, the people that don't understand this is because they have no idea what radical evil can do to somebody. They have no idea what depravity looks like. They don't even know what de deviance is. But let me tell you, it's coming. It's coming out because these people have built a system to bring it to the public. Like the the, the European Union just published their sexual education requirements for the next generation. Every sexual act has to be exposed to children from two years old to four years old, that they are going to be required to watch pornography and engage in their and pressure to engage in their first sex act by it's between six years old and nine years old. This they are bringing this wholesale to the public. They want to deprave and eradicate all level of chastity and morality. They want to make our children whores. And when that happens, the earth, it says in the scriptures, the earth will vomit us out. The earth will fight against us. When the land becomes polluted, when men give their daughters over to be whores, this, we're talking about prostitution to, to pedophiles. They are going to be heralded and protected. Those freedom of religion, those rights are going to be extended to the pedophiles. Their, their sexual deviance is the next leg that they're going to try to maneuver and, and climb on top of us all with as they rape us with this disgusting agenda that they need to be accepted and embraced, that they don't need to be uh, persecuted. They don't need to have these this horrible uh, phobias reached out against them, that we need to instead embrace them. That is should fill people with absolute rage. And you know what? You have to resist this. You have to fight against this. The reason children are good at this stuff is because children are invisible in our society. Children are much better at staying anonymous than an adult is. You don't pick assassins that look like a big, scary, tough guy. You pick background noise. You pick people that blend in everywhere they go. And children blend in in our society and are much less likely to be picked up for drug trafficking, especially if they're white and especially if they are educated and they're able to articulate themselves and navigate communicating and manipulating people of all various ages. When you train them in those skill sets, it's called tradecraft. And when you have handlers that work for the Central Intelligence Agency and the State Department who come in and train you on how to do that stuff, you become proficient at manipulating people in order to give them, get you access to them. I was utilized as an asset for these agencies because I had that proclivity. I had that desire, that drive in me. And that's what gave me over 
over to them to be used by them. But you know what? They don't want these secrets coming out. They have a major incentivized program to resist all forms of this. That's I've been out here for seven years talking about this stuff. It's not like something I just popped out of nowhere and I'm suddenly there. That I'm maybe more publicly known to people now, but you know what? My fruit is out there and available. Everything I've ever talked about. I've got four or 500 videos that are now on Rumble and BitChute and YouTube and all over the place for people that want to see and hear my life and my story and how I found healing and restoration, why we talk about natural fiber garments and, and fresh milled flour and going out into the wilderness and foraging, why we talk about cold immersion. These are physical things that help to heal me and are free and available to those that need healing and restoration. Likewise, why I put out the audio of the scriptures so people could wash themselves with the truth instead of being constantly consumed with the, with the propagandas all the time. My hope is that people would come out of this and find courage to overcome this great cowardly system that we're battling against. Man, we've covered so much in this two-part interview. I want to do a screen share and then just two more clips. So the Rolling Stone journalist Michael Hastings had called out the Pentagon, specifically General Stanley McChrystal, America's commander in Afghanistan, for widespread corruption and other things. And it is widely believed that his brand new Mercedes-Benz, I think it was a Model 250, was remotely hijacked and it went through a residential neighborhood, like a 35 mile an hour zone at like 70, 80 miles per hour. It exploded, hit a tree, and the engine was found like a block away. So who killed Michael Hastings? We could talk a little bit about the role of the military industrial complex in these types of assassinations. But in the interest of what you said previously, there's that case, Michael Hastings and his remotely hijacked vehicle. And then there's the case of Anne Heche, the Hollywood actress who was working on a film about child trafficking. Here's the clip of Anne Heche's car zooming by at a rapid, probably 80 miles an hour through a residential neighborhood. I'll play this clip and then I want to play the aftermath for you. Check this out. Oh, man. At the end of the street, she crashes into a house and she survived. There were choppers over the scene. They had no idea it was Anne Heche. And by the way, prior to this, literally a half hour prior to this, she had walked into a store to buy a hat or something. And the owner of the store said she was acting completely normal. She was delightful. He didn't see any signs of any distress whatsoever. So I want to show you now the aftermath of that crash, because this is even more shocking. <laughs> Bobby and Marla, it was amazing what happened out here. L.A. City Fire Department. So here's the chopper over the scene where, and they don't know who this person is driving the car. They're just reporting about a crash. A vehicle moving at a high rate of speed crashed into that house. So these guys in the chopper, they have no idea who the driver is. It turns out it was Ann Heche. But I want to show you this because here's the punchline to this horrific story. Firefighters. First responders, were to believe Nathan, went in to save her life, right? Yeah. Well, they strap her to a gurney and they rush her to an awaiting ambulance. Now, the chopper, the people in the chopper, they think they suspect she must be dead or, you know, in critical condition. Watch this. That driver from that vehicle, we have tape of that and then basically had him on a gurney. We weren't sure. There she is. She's alive and well. She's trying to escape. And they say, nope, you're going in here. Number 63. Yeah. These guys, these firefighters, who knows who these guys are? Guess right. what? They take her to the hospital. They say she was put on life support and they took her organs. Oh, 
So what do you make of that? I just share that with you because if anybody can uh, tell us what that's all about, you probably could. Oh, yeah. The reason I wrote I wrote an article, a blog article, one of the last ones I wrote about a dead man switch and the dragon's revenge was just because I that was a man four years ago. I, I got a job as like a executive chauffeur bodyguard for people that were wealthy and powerful back in Boulder, Colorado, and took this family on their wedding night. Two very powerful families were going to were marrying their children together. This is still how families consolidate power. And they they were joining up these two families through their son and their daughter. And they hired me as their driver of this limousine in order to take them up to their honeymoon because you have to have the proof of consummation as part of this act. And so I was hired as their security to get them up there. Well, on my way back from dropping them off, I pulled my vehicle over on the side of the road. And when I got out, a woman came off the side of the highway and hit my hit me when I was standing next to the vehicle and it launched me 35 yards. She was going 70 miles an hour at the time and crump, my body crumpled into the, the car and almost killed me. I tumbled over and over again into the side of the road and was stopped just before going over a cliff. And when she got out of the car, she was completely coherent and had this... I came I came to consciousness and all I thought was I just want to hear what Jubilee has to say to me. That was my wife was pregnant with my daughter at the time. She was seven and a half months pregnant. We were living on a on a property in El Dorado Springs, Colorado in Colorado, El Dorado Canyon. And I didn't want my wife to have to wake up to that phone call that I was dead on the side of the road from an automotive accident. And this this I was armed and had body armor on, and yet I was crushed. My face was all ripped apart, and my knee was all ripped apart, and I was severely concussed, and I was totally out of it, and I just knew I had to get up, and I just cried out that the Father would help me to hear what Jubilee had to say to me because I just I wanted to know what that child had to say. I knew I was going to have another child. I just wanted to hear what they had she had to say to me because I I, I have a belief that somehow my children are going to, help me heal that, that they'll that they're worth it you know they're free and they're worth it but i just didn't want my wife to wake up to that phone call and so i got up and immediately went and grabbed my pack to be able to put up a resistance and when the next car that pulled over it turned into this really fast scene where the woman came out with something in her hand to try to come over to me and put it into my body and i stood up and ran towards my limousine to get my pack out of my car to be able to fight and uh, two two cars pulled over immediately as well. And when they got out of the vehicle, she ran back to her car and acted like she was injured and and disoriented and everything else. Well, when the when the paramedic when the first responders began to show up, the chief of the fire department was among those people, and he began to interrogate the woman and began to try to figure out what had happened to her. Meanwhile, another woman showed up in a black Lincoln Lincoln uh, town car. And she flashed a badge that was part of the National Security Council. And she closed down the scene, took the woman out of her car and put her in her car and shut down the entire thing. The chief of the fire marshal at the time 
took everything and got rid of all of the evidence and completely expunged the scene and they made it disappear. That very night, my mother, who hasn't called me in years, called me to talk about my health and make sure that everything was going well. And every time they've had one of these assassination attempts on me, they have called as a wonderful like, hey, just checking in and seeing how you are. My wife got that voice message on her phone that should have woken up to me dead. But you know what? The father had mercy on me and spared my life and he gave me deliverance that day. And you know what? I still have a herniated I still have five hernias in my abdomen and my spine is still crushed into a C right now. And I, it jacked me up horribly and it took me, it took me out for a long time, but you know what? It, it instilled in me a desire to keep going because the enemy never wastes his assets. The enemy doesn't shoot any, he doesn't waste a single bullet. Mo most people are just living in the trenches and they're happy to stay asleep in their, in their spiritual seductive slumber, in their, their fluoride haze. They don't want to know this stuff. They don't want to fight. They just want to stay down. And you know what? They're never going to get shot at. They're never going to experience what this war is actually like because they're cowards hiding behind those comfortable lines. But you know what? As soon as you stand up and start to put up a resistance, as soon as you start to light up those fires trying to tell people hope is over here that you can resist that you can fight back you know what you get targeted severely but that's that's part of what that is the cost that we all have to to we have to count the costs at the end of the day and you know what i've counted that cost and it's worth it it's worth it my 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 life will live on no matter if i'm alive or dead and if i become a martyr in this game so be it but you know what it's well worth it for people to see that there's always there is always men of conviction who are willing to stand up and fight well, I want to quote you from part one for those who didn't see part one. I'll try to remember to link it below. Go back and watch part one. But you said, you're always asleep. For those who don't want to hear this truth, right? For those that say, leave me alone. I just want to go back to sleep like that character in The Matrix who just wanted to eat a big juicy steak. Put me back to sleep. You're already asleep and you're basically dead. You're walking dead every day that you continue to ignore the radical, intelligent evil that's stalking all around you. That's the message we're going to leave with this audience today. So stand up, speak out, and take our world back from these Luciferian demons. Nathan, I want to show your website as we say our goodbyes. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're selling some books since you're doing some more shows here. And uh, I just want people to know they can get an autographed copy of the book, Snatched from the Flames. How do they do that? Uh, they can click that tab there, order your copy today, which will take them right over to that. They can... Order it from me direct. If you guys don't want to utilize PayPal or Venmo or one of those other things, you can just send me an email and we'll figure out a different way to do that. But I also have free for download there, my my book, the and I also have an audio version of that that's also available right there. So any of you guys that want to support me by buying it, awesome. But if those of you that don't, you can just get it for free right there as well. Nobody should have a a, a pay gate to get to the truth. So I appreciate you sharing that out there, Sean, and and uh, for all the the laborious work that you're doing as well. Oh, enjoy it. It's my honor. And uh, interviewing you, a guy, it's not even an interview. We're having a conversation and you're educating me along with the audience. And I sure do appreciate that. We'll do it again real soon. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. We're going to schedule that as soon as we say our official goodbyes here. All right, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in really, truly. And thanks for spreading this far and wide within your sphere of influence on social media. If anything can wake people up, it's content like this. I know it's challenging content. I see it in the comments. Some people don't even believe this could be true, right? Some people say, Nathan tells great stories. How can we verify any of this? If you can't tell by the words he's spoken in the sincerity of the way he's spoken them, well, I can't help you anymore. I just can't help you. May your chains rest lightly upon you. 
For real news every single day, guys, check us out for free at sgtreport.com, thephaser.com, and thelibertymill.com. Those are three avenues, three vector points that provide the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those CIA mockingbird mainstream media lies. May God truly bless you and your family and inspire you to act with courage every single day. God bless. Bye-bye. I detail in very specific manner how these families ruled society. Fear, guilt, and shame are the three main tenets of that system. When you start to dismantle those three tenets of their societal mechanisms, you set the captives free. And I have seen that take place over the last seven years since I have been speaking out. The captives are getting free. And you know what? As much as they want to stifle us, the truth is such an inoculant to fear that it replicates and multiplies. And it's far more contagious than any invisible enemy, whether it's terrorism or virus, that they want to persuade us to try to go wage a war against. That's why I'm out here. That's why I'm out here on the front line, because I'm inviting you and calling for you to become courageous enough to stand up and fight for the truth.